Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the Schwenk Studios in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. Sarah Abbott's working from the Sarah Abbott Studios near Bristol. I'm Buster only. I'm in a hotel in Bristol because I'm going to be on Baseball Tonight, guys. Because today is one of the funnest days of the year in baseball because uh, we get to see four playoff games back to back to back to back as the division series start. What do you think, Taylor? Oh, I'm thrilled, dude. This is this is gonna be a lot of fun. You know, got some pesky work stuff going on that isn't involved with the baseball podcast that I'm gonna have to try and shuffle around so I can devote more attention to these games. But I'm very excited for the day that is about to unfold. All right, Sarah. What about you? You said your mom's coming in. My mom's coming in today. I'm so excited. My birthday's tomorrow, and we're going to do some fun things this weekend. So I'm so pumped. Yeah, well, that'll be fun. And and by the way, on the podcast, tomorrow's like a big birthday part of the podcast because uh, we got, you know, Sarah's birthday, and my dog Ruby has her 12th birthday. My brother Sam has come on the podcast before. He has his birthday. So tomorrow, as our friend Sarah Langs says, birthdays matter. Uh, and so tomorrow will be a big birthday celebration. We'll be talking about all these games that take place later today. Uh, the Guardians play the Yankees. Guardians manager Terry Francona was talking about the team's unusual offense. You know, I mean, we are kind of what we are, like, and, and we know it. I mean, we, we don't hit the ball at the ballpark very often. Thankfully, we do every once in a while, or we might still be playing. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's a hard way to win. It doesn't mean you can't, and we're trying to prove that. Um, we would gladly take three-run homers. Just kind of not really how we're built right now. So you can either whine about it or you can try to figure out a way to win. Fortunately, our guys are on board with, hey, we'll see if we can win. Here's Cal Quantrill, who starts for the Guardians in game one, about facing Aaron Judge. I think hey, he had a great season. Uh, fantastic baseball player. Uh, season to remember. Um, you know, there's a lot of good hitters in our league. If you if you overthink every single hitter, it can lead to more more problems than solutions. Um, we're aware of what he's capable of. We'll do our best to make sure we manage him. That being said, that we're still going to have a game plan. We're you know we're not just going to allow him to, to to walk all over us. Hopefully, and and you know and we're not going <laughs> to allow him to take to dictate the entire approach to the lineup so we'll be ready um i don't think there's any like specific plan he's a good hitter uh we'll adjust as we go and and we'll try and get him out garrett cole starts game one for the yankees of course a lot of admit a lot of questions about how he's performed under pressure recently it's always special i think uh anytime somebody gets selected to uh, lead the team into battle and i think what comes with that responsibility is preparedness poise and um, to be on the attack. Yeah, and there's some questions, by the way, about injuries uh, go- going forward uh, with these two teams. Guardians reliever Nick Sandlin, who's been really important to their bullpen, uh, he's going to be out for the rest of the postseason because of a shoulder strain. DJ LeMahieu is a question mark for the Yankees. Aaron Boone saying that he just doesn't look right at this point. They hadn't made a final decision as of last night about what to do with LeMahieu. 
on the roster. They have made a decision about Aroldis Chapman, about not being on the playoff roster. He went AWOL away from the Yankees last week. Here's Aaron Boone. Chappie will not be on the postseason roster. He was scheduled to be here Friday. Part of our workout with the live was not and 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 not what I thought was an acceptable excuse. So um, I've had him stay away for now. Did he go back to Miami? He is in Miami. Yeah. Did you get an explanation? Yeah, I just felt like him not being here was was not okay, and it was best for him to stay away for now. Here's Yankees general manager Brian Cashman. He effectively took himself out of at least this round of consideration because, uh, you know, obviously as a team, we have everybody who's obviously uh, part of our network here working out starting Friday. He made a decision not to show. So I find him. Obviously, I had a conversation with him. I uh, find him for not being here in a mandatory workout. Aaron Boone, post-work, I had a conversation with him. And during that conversation, I wasn't a part of that. You know, he, you know, Boone, he made the decision just to tell him to stand down and just stay home. You know, you got to be all in. At this time of year, it's disappointing. And you would assume at some point here in the next few days that the Yankees probably wind up releasing Chapman from his contract. Chapman's eligible for free agency uh, during the course of the upcoming offseason. The Phillies announced that they've given manager Rob Thompson a two-year deal. He actually was the interim manager, and now he's the permanent manager. He, of course, replaced Joe Girardi back in June. The Phillies finished uh, with a 65-46 and record after making that change. The Phillies are getting ready to face the Braves in the uh, National League Division Series. Ranger Suarez will be on the mound for Philadelphia. Here's Ranger speaking through a translator about the challenge of uh, facing the Braves lineup. I mean, I I faced them a couple of times in the regular season. I know they're a really good team. That's no no secret there. Um, But I I try not to think too much about that challenge because I, I, you know, that's why we're at this stage of, you know, of, 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 of the year you know like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough battle but it's it's something that I try not to think too much about here's Max Fried who starts game one for the Braves I'm excited uh, you know this is the this is the time of year that you know you you play for and you grind for 162 games and uh, it's finally here and I know that we're we're excited to get started Braves manager Brian Snicker talked about facing the Phillies we just played him seven times, you know, 10 days ago or whatever it was. Um, so we're very familiar with them. They are us. Um, you know, they're back to full strength, too. I mean, it's they're playing very well. We needed a couple of days off. We rode them bullpen guys extremely hard last week. I don't know that we needed five days off, but I think we've done a good job of staying as ready as we possibly could. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. The Dodgers and Padres start tonight. Mike Clevenger will take the ball for San Diego, and he talked about the team realizing its full potential. I mean, I think it says a lot about the the team we actually have. I mean, you got to see it kind of come together on both sides of the field, and I felt like that's where, in a lot of the season, like we had a great season, a lot of wins, but I feel like, we had a lot, everyone I think feels like we had a lot more potential in that locker room, you know, and it was just like, it was one side of the field is working, the other side of the field is working. And then when you see it finally come together and that's like what I've been saying about this, you know, squad the whole time, the resilience, the, you know, dropping three to teams we should have beaten, coming back and beating another team, you know, in a three game set. And it's just like, that's, that's what's carried over. And I think this would even got us going into the series. It wasn't even, I mean, we knew who was on the other side of the field, but it was, it was just another day for us at the park. 
The Dodgers beat the Padres in 14 of their 19 games. Bob Melvin talked about facing the Dodgers. Yeah, zero and zero. We have to look at it the same way. Now they, you know, handed it to us pretty good this year, so um, we realize what we're up against. But I think it feels a little bit better now that we're not looking at the standings and 18 games behind or 20 games behind, whatever it was. Here's Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. I guess it's possible, but it's very unlikely um, given the recent history, the geography, um, the familiarity. Um, so there's going to be a lot of emotions. Uh, it's going to be exciting, you know, not only for you know, players uh, and fans. It's, it's going to be a very intense series. And, of course, the other series, the Astros playing host to the Mariners. Here's Logan Gilbert, who pitches for Seattle. We face them a lot this year. Um, we've, you know, went back and forth. We've won some. They've won some. Um, I think at this point it just comes down to execution. We've we've seen each other a lot of times and familiar with each other, and um, you know they have a lot of good players. So it just comes down to execution. Justin Verlander during the regular season against Seattle, six starts, a two point three four ERA. He talked about pitching against the Mariners in this series. I mean, they're a really good team. Um, you know, they they uh, present a lot of. Uh, of difficulties um you know their pitching staff is really good they're hitting their lineup is really good they you know they they never give in as you saw in the in the series against toronto um you know they grind out at bats um you know they don't make it easy uh and um obviously they're playing good baseball right now so um having seen them a lot um it's interesting i don't know uh you know how that really plays out but uh, you know an in-division rival um you know, at, at this point in the year, we know each other so intimately, uh, makes it interesting. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, our listeners, if they are NFL fans, should be listening to Kyle Brandt's Basement and ESPN and Omaha Productions uh, partnership podcast. Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football. He is coming at you Sunday through Thursday, exploring the ins and outs of the NFL through lively guest interviews, including Josh Allen, who comes on on Tuesdays, you should check out Kyle Brandt's Basement wherever you're listening to this podcast right now or on YouTube. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alex Kaur is the manager of the Boston Red Sox. He's also the brother of Joey Kaur, the third base coach for the New York Mets, which is why, Alex, you were at City Field the other day for game one. Uh, and I was thinking about this in regards to, to you and baseball. As you know, a lot of your peers, once we get to the postseason, if they're not involved, they don't like watching it. I, I And I was looking at you, and I'm like, yeah, you're the exact opposite. You and your brother, I think, would have watched baseball any day of the year. Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, this is what we love, right? Like, uh, you know, for me, it was a good way of turning the page from the season, but at, at, at the same time, you know, uh, we love this game, and uh, regardless of what happened with your team, this is what we're going to do regardless, you know? There's there were, what, 12 games or 11 games over the weekend. I don't even remember. I probably watched a lot of them, most of them, and uh, I enjoy the game. I love it. Uh, it's not a distraction. It's actually something that I, I, I really enjoy, and at the same time, while I'm watching, I'm learning. So, um, no, I hate to be in this position watching games on TV, but uh, why not? So as you and I talk, it's about 9.05 Eastern time and a and, uh, little afternoon today. The games will start for today. It'll be like, uh, as we were talking about in the podcast yesterday, like the baseball version of March Madness to have four playoff games back to back to back to back. Um, and I'm guessing you'll be probably absorbing a lot of them. Well, I'll be locked in, but then we got a, a six o'clock practice for the Twins. The boys started playing a, a month ago, so uh, my contract here with the family is like you can watch as many games as possible, but at six o'clock you got to go to the field and help us out. So I'll be locked in with the boys, but at the same time, obviously during the day, I'll be watching. <laughs> So when, uh, you, you know, you and Joey are so close, tell me uh, when they get eliminated, uh, how that hits you, how that affects you. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, I mean, uh, we we had plans, honestly, as a family. You know, uh, New York is just a, a plane ride, a four-hour plane ride from San Juan. and uh, You know, I really thought that they were going to advance and, uh, you know, watch the next series against the Dodgers was going to be cool. Uh, obviously they didn't finish the season the way they wanted and uh, they just didn't play well. They didn't pitch. And, and the Padres, I haven't, I haven't seen the Padres in a while and uh, they really impressed me. Uh, I was talking to him yesterday and the bullpen is something that uh, in the playoffs, the Padres bullpen, I think it plays, you know, velocity is, is something that they have, you know, Hader and uh, Suarez, you know, regardless of the struggles of Hader, he's still 100, and Suarez has been amazing. Been there, done that too, right? He, he was a closer in Japan. People don't know that. And it seems like he found his groove uh, after his uh, first uh, outing in Arizona. I remember that one. But uh, the guy has been amazing. And uh, if Joe and, um, and Darvish throw the ball the way they did, uh, they, they, they're going to be tough to, do, to, to, to play against. But I think at the end, obviously, with the, with the format, uh, I think MLB kind of like found it good for the teams that finish 1-2 uh, record-wise. You know, it's, it's, a really a, it's, it's an advantage if you take a look at it. So it's going to be tough for them, but I was very impressed with the Padres. Yeah, I was going to ask you about them, actually, because it really jumped out of me. I walked away, and, and as you walked away from that series, feeling like 
that team is really loose. Like in talking with Manny Machado and talking with Juan Soto, uh, it, it, it felt like that they're really confident that they're very comfortable on this stage. And you're not talking about, you know, a group of 22, 20, you know, 22 year olds who haven't been in the postseason before. I actually walked away saying, you know what? I, I know they lost 14 out of 19 to the Dodgers during the regular season. I feel like you throw that out. Like they just look comfortable. Yes. And that's something that um, I talked to, to Eric Hosmer about um, in last a month ago, because uh, last year, and obviously this year they struggle, uh, the Padres struggle against the Dodgers. And um, one, one of the things that Eric says is like, when they play, play the, the Dodgers, it seems like the game is bigger than what it is. And I, I agree with you, playing against the Mets, it didn't look like a team that, you know, it was tight. It was, you know, it, they felt the pressure. It was the other way around. You know, as soon as a pro for got the first base hit. It was a blip single. It was a shortstop on the first pitch of the first or second pitch of the series against Scherzer. Uh, you see the reaction from the dugout and it seems like they're locked in and you got to give uh, credit to Bob Melvin. He's been amazing as a manager. And I, I do believe he's probably the main reason for this team to play the way they are. Uh, they're playing and uh, it's going to be a tough series. Obviously the Dodgers are rested, but uh, you know, they have to win the series, right? You win 111 games or whatever. And uh, we we were in that situation in 08, uh, in, in 18, sorry, when we played the, the, the Yankees. We, we won 108, and the, that didn't matter, right? You, you go to that first game, and it's like, you got to win 11 games, regardless of what happened in the regular season. If you don't win these 11 games, you, you didn't do the job. And uh, I'm not saying the Dodgers – going to feel the pressure, but they have to win it, right? I mean, this is the perfect team. Uh, they've been working so hard to be in, in this situation, and everybody feels like they should go all the way. So let's see what happens. It's funny you mentioned Profar. I had a conversation with him before game three on Sunday, uh, and I'm like, you know, what's it like playing in front of this New York crowd? And he looked at me, and he said the biggest grin on his face, and he was like, this is so much fun. And I, and I asked him, the question, it's a classic sports writer question. So you don't feel any pressure? And he looked at me, Alex, like I was the biggest idiot ever. Like, pressure? What do you, this is fun. <laughs> like, he was no. such a comfort level in, in how we, uh, in how you know he was feeling going into that game three. What's the tough, you mentioned Bob Melvin. What's the toughest thing about managing in the postseason? Uh, I mean, it is, I, I do believe that, uh, for how locked in you are over 162 games, there's stuff that you have to worry about regardless of, you know, like you, regardless of your job. Yeah. My job is our job is to put our guys in, in situations to be successful, but uh, over 162 games, there's stuff that you have to manage too in the clubhouse and with the front office and with the media. And I think in the playoffs, there's none of that, you know, like let's say if there's something going on in the clubhouse, like this guy is having issues with X guy is having issues with Y the, the other guy. And you have to deal with stuff like that. There's none of that. You don't have to worry about playing time. You don't have to worry about, you know, bullpen usage, to be honest with you. Uh, it's kind of like a free ride. And uh, 
I was talking to to Nate Ovaldi uh, two days ago, and and you know how we use Nate in eighteen and how we use Nate in twenty one, and I'm like at some point these teams they need to start using starters in in, in different spots, right? And uh, and he was like, I know that's the that's the beauty of the playoffs. Like we don't care, you know, like. And that's something that I, I, I took away from 18. I took away from 21. The willingness of the players to do whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, like they start uh, on Friday. They're ready to go in the bullpen on Sunday. And that gives the manager all the confidence in the world. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling as a manager second to none, to be honest with you. Uh, 18 was great for because of what we did. That game last year, the wildcard game, you know, that, that was the, the, the best, worst feeling in the world. You know, like it was like every pitch matter, but understanding that all the way you put in 162 games, it can get away or you can lose everything one, one pitch. And uh, I'm glad that it's, it's, it's this format, you know, it's two out of three. You get a chance to actually come back from, from a bad outing or a bad night. And, uh, you know, you take your chances, but. Buster, I'm telling you, managing in the playoffs is something that uh, every manager dreams of. And, you know, I'm glad that I had the the, the, the experience to do it in 18 and last year. All right. We're going to surprise our friend Sarah Langs with you in a bit. I have one more question for you about uh, the Red Sox. Your comments last week, um, you know, I read them. I didn't hear what, uh, you know, you tone as you said them. But my interpreter of them is saying, uh, in so many words uh, about your clubhouse that it almost felt like, look, we need to take it to the next level in, in being competitive. Um, was that was that what uh, you were conveying in terms of looking ahead to 2023? Because you referenced Kike Hernandez in that. No, I, I believe that um, we're not. Obviously, we don't like what happened this year, and uh, you know, we we just didn't play well. But at the same time, we do believe we're going to be okay, and. Uh, you know, one of the things that the front office and ownership and, and, and myself have talked about is the sense of urgency, right? Uh, we've been talking about the future for a while here. And, uh, you know, they had a bad year in 20. We had a great year in 21. And, and we had a horrible year uh, in 22. But, you know, if we do the things that we have to do in the off season, I do believe we're going to be back. Uh, obviously, it's a tough division, but if you break it down, you know, we lost 16 games against one team. And that's, you know, that's why we didn't make it to the playoffs. You know, the Toronto Blue Jays, they dominated us. And that's, that cannot happen. And uh, I think we, 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 we have to, to start talking about the present. We have to start talking about the sense of urgency. And the guys uh, that last day, you know, the message was loud and clear. You know, the offseason starts tomorrow. We got to start working towards our goals. And uh, I believe this group understands uh, what we need to do. Uh, as a coaching staff, as a, the front office, they know what we have to do. And it's just about, you know, sending the message to, to everybody that we feel is going to be part of this organization next year. Like, hey, we got to be better. And uh, I think we're doing a good job so far this past week. Alex, thanks for doing this. Hold on, and we're going to bring Sarah in. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. 
Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Buster. We get more postseason baseball. So excited. Yeah, yeah. what's it like for you? Uh, I mean, where you had, describe how you're going to be camping out here today. I will be in the same place for probably 12 hours, sitting there with a little four box up ready to watch every game. Got a big monitor, just watching everything, listening to everything. So excited for it. Nice. What uh, today? What's give me something that you're really looking forward to uh, in terms of watching it? I'm kind of fascinated by the Guardians bullpen versus the Yankees. I like that. I mean, I think that series is going to be really interesting. I'll bring a number when we get to that, but I'm very excited to see how the momentum helps the Guardians. I mean, not really a thing, but it could be. And that team has so much energy being so young and the way that series ended, all of that. So very excited to see how that goes. All right. We have a guest here. Alex Cora has jumped in here, Sarah. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Hi, AC. Hi. How are yeah. you? I Thanks for joining, good. Alex. I, I wanted to get from you, uh, you know, from your time working at ESPN. Tell me about uh, Sarah, a uh, memory of Sarah. Uh, about Sarah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, I still remember there were two two things that I wanted to know when I got to ESPN. And, uh, you know, when I, were, I was working with Siren 17, I remember the first time, we, you know, we, we, we shared thoughts about defense. It was Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman. And I didn't understand how come Carlos and Bregman were so bad defensively. And she kind of like explained me how he went, you know, everything that had to go, had to do with the defensive run saves and all the cool stuff that goes about defense. And the other one, and, and I, I bet Sarah remembers this one. It was Tito, Tito Francona, Terry Francona, his record in September and October with the Sox and the Indians. And I bet, you know, we can use this one now because Tito with the Indians and the Sox, he's been probably, you know, his, uh, his winning percentage, percentage has to be amazing. And uh, those two, that was the first two emails we exchanged when we were working with ESPN. Besides that, uh, a joy to, to be around. Uh, one of the first persons that always texts me or email me whenever we did well, or when we struggle, when I was suspended, when I came back with the Red Sox, uh, a joy to to work with, a, a great person, and obviously I follow her on Twitter, and that's what well, we love baseball, right? And uh, she's been amazing to all of us. Sarah? Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Buster, you are really trying to make me cry on this podcast this week, these last few days, but... Alex, I mean, you know how much I loved working with you, and I'm just so, so honored that you remember those moments, and thank you for those kind words. You know, the thing I remember is, I believe 2017, uh, there was a Mets-Phillies game, whereas Drupal Cabrera hit this walk-off home run. I want to say it was two outs at the bottom of the ninth, and I just remember all of us in the BBTN clubhouse. And I remember you going crazy over that moment. None of us remember expecting it. And 
I just always think of that one. That wasn't a stat. It was just a moment, but it shows how much of a family we were with baseball tonight. So Alex, thank you, remember you that? so much. I remember, well, I kind of remember that. I remember Asrubo kind of like carrying that team, right, and, and doing a great job. And, uh, you know, just uh, like you say, Sarah, it's, it's a family. And I said it in 18 when we won the World Series. We were on that stage by third base in Dodger Stadium, October 28th, 2018. And Carl and Rossi and Teixeira, they were interviewing me. And at the end, I was like, you know, People like Sarah and Bonds and, and, and everybody, Collie and, and Buster and Carl, everybody that helped me to, to become the, the person I was and the manager I am, you know, because of the experiences, not only the stats, right, but, uh, you know, all the, the 2.30 a.m. shows, you know, that we have to do on Saturdays after college football, right? And uh, you guys made me a great manager, and I'm glad that I'm part of your family. Alex, thanks so much for dropping in. Pretty cool. Love you guys. Be well. Thank you. All right, Sarah, you ready to play the numbers game? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 22. So the Padres won 22 fewer regular season games than the Dodgers this year. And, of course, now they're facing off in the division series. So only one team has won a postseason series with a regular season wins upset of at least that many games. The 1906 White Sox, who won 23 fewer regular season games than the Cubs, who won 116 and set that wins record. Now, I'm not saying the Padres won't win, but I'm just saying that it would be quite historic if they did. Number two. Number two is seven. So we talked about Joe Musgrove yesterday, and I do want to bring him back a little bit. So we talked about first pitcher in postseason history, seven innings, one hit, uh, facing in a winner-take-all game. But he was also the fifth starter to go at least seven innings this postseason. Shane Bieber, Shane McClanahan, Hugh Darvish, and Luis Castillo all also did it. In that first round, there were four starts of seven or more innings all of last postseason. So we've already surpassed that. And we're not even into the division series. And on the mound today, we have Justin Berlander, who threw the last postseason complete game back in 2017. So I'm curious to see how much higher that number goes. We're at five right now. Number one. Number one is two. So Garrett Cole is facing the Guardians today. He already has two 10 strikeout games in his postseason career against Cleveland, once with Houston and once with the Yankees. So I was curious, is that the most for a pitcher against a single opponent in the postseason? So two 10 strikeout games against an opponent is tied for the second most for any pitcher against a single opponent. The only pitcher with more is Verlander against the A's with four. But if Garrett Cole can have another, he would be second on that list. 
he also has two against the race. The funny thing is we'd be talking about this no matter who won that series. Yeah. So yesterday when I was doing Sports Center, Sarah, I thought I thought of a number that I know you would you would have absolutely loved. Uh, we we're talking about the relative experience between the Mariners and the Astros. Think about this: when Justin Verlander made his first postseason appearance, Julio Rodriguez was five years old. Okay. Oh my gosh. So, and I I've got uh, I looked it up. You know, Altuve's got seventy nine postseason games, twenty three homers. Bregman's got seventy three postseason games. This will be Verlander's 33rd appearance in the postseason. I, I love the Mariners' story. They're fun. But, man, that is a mountain to overcome. I mean, Jose Altuve is the second most postseason home runs all time. That is a cumulative stat. I mean, no disrespect. He's obviously very good. But part of why he's there is because he is in the postseason so much, to your point. So I agree. But you know what? I would love to see, and we will see, how far that energy will bring them. Because, you know, this team is fearless. And I don't think they care that they haven't been in these situations. And we saw how loud it was in Toronto. They overcame a seven-run deficit late in the game, but certainly the numbers are not in their favor in terms of experience. All right, Sarah. Thanks for doing this, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks so much for bringing AC on. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. The man. Swing and a high fly ball out towards left field. The voice. That one well struck. The legend. On its way. Out of here. Bugiambi on baseball tonight. And this place yep. is going. Boogie, you know what I love? I like I've got you on Zoom and I can see your face once we started playing your introduction. You got the biggest grin, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I can't tell if you're laughing at yourself or you're like, no. yeah. Let's go. No, I, you know I'm laughing at myself. Uh, <laughs> you know I'm laughing at myself. I'm a buffoon, uh, but it's it makes me giggle. 
it makes me giggle. The intro makes me giggle. It always did. Nice. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah. So you're doing Dodgers and Padres tonight. And I'll get to that series in a moment, you know, and I'll tell you what Alex Corr and I, you know, our thoughts about uh, this series coming in, but you just saw the, uh, the guardians on television yep. uh, as they eliminated the Tampa Bay Rays. Boog, I picked the guardians to beat the Yankees. I think they got a legitimate shot because of the strength of that bullpen. Now this would be a, a middleweight fighter upsetting a heavyweight there's no doubt about it because the age of the team, the relative power possibilities for the two teams. What do you see in the Guardians? They start this series. Look, run prevention. They they're an elite level defensive team. You know, one of the notes that we uncovered in prepping for that series that's interesting is that of the thirty teams, they were 29th in shifting. So they 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 play defense and prevent runs defensively with just really good defenders. It's not about as much about aggressive positioning. And then they have very good pitching. I mean, remember back in 16, the way Tito manipulated Shaw Allen and Miller, it was sort of like he had depending on who had been used more, but it was like he was carrying 10 outs in his pocket. I don't know that class a Karen check and Stefan are quite that, Class A certainly is, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him do something like that. And then, you know, look, Bieber and McKenzie are, are pretty legit. I struggle having watched all 24 innings of that series. I, I would have a hard time picking that team because I just don't think they're going to score. I just don't think that they're going to be able to score. It's, you know, we, we talk a lot about pitching and defense. And I, you know, I think we get fooled a little bit and I'm, because I'm a pain in the butt, I always point it out, but you go and look the last few years at where the good teams are, where the teams with the good records are, they don't just pitch and defend. They score, they score. The Dodgers allowed the fewest runs in baseball this year. Ah, they also scored the most runs in baseball this year. So I just, I worry about that for the, for the guardians. I just, I don't know where that offense is going to come from. Yeah. Uh, and the Yankees, on the other hand, uh, I mean, they, they score a ton, ton of runs. And, and I'm trying to justify my pick, which is why I'm going to you know keep throwing these questions at you till I get you to back <laughs> off and say the Guardians are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so you are at the four. I think, among, uh, I think among broadcasters that I've run across, you would be at the top of the list in terms of those who embraced analytics before anybody else. Okay. Um, and so I think generally speaking, the, the view of the analytic community would be that managers don't make a big difference. Generally, I feel like the Terry Francona is, is an outlier in the postseason. What do you think? Completely. I could not agree more. I, I think Terry Francona is an outlier period. Full stop. He just <laughs> Terry Francona, by the way, I thought, um, summed up what, you know, when he asked the question, what makes him so good? Every once in a while, you're trying to ask him what make what makes him so good. I think he gave the answer the other day. He said, I would rather the media think that I don't know what I'm doing than throw a player under the bus. And I think that that is the epitome of what creates the culture with Terry Francona. They all know he knows what he's doing to the nth degree. But publicly, he it is, you know, circle the wagons and protect your own and keep whatever negative stuff there is in-house. 
he, we've been around him. He's a special, special guy. I, I could not agree more. I think he's, he's different. I, I do think he's not going to screw it up. That's for sure. You know, he just, he, he, he has just good gut, good judgment. Um, and he, he'll be aggressive. He's always going to do the bullpen thing, a guy too early than a guy too late because, you know, subtly, I think one of the things that, you know, whether you're talking about a Blake Snell move with Kevin Cash, I think the one thing is that you can't see some of this stuff in real time. Like it's, you can't see the guy losing it in real time enough to have, to make the move right there. So you have to do it a little bit earlier. Um, I couldn't agree more. I think he's, he's an outlier and, and let me be clear. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I want a really good manager. And I think that if you look at the guys who do a good, you know, Kevin Cash is one, you know, Alex Corey does a really good job. Craig council does a good job manipulating bullpens. So, uh, you know, I think you'd want to have a good manager. I feel like that Tito and Craig Council are the best managers at seeing the jugular during the course of a game right. uh, with the other team and jumping on it with the bullpen. Yeah. You buying? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's right. It's, it's, Oh, the game's here. The game, this is it right here. I, I agree. There's a, there's a certain, there's a feel to it. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on that theme. I mean, I think, look, this team, was not expected. Everybody was sitting there saying when the twins were in first place, don't worry, the white Sox are going to catch them. And the guardians were in between them and no one was paying any attention. Um, I, I put a lot in terms of Terry Francona. I would also say this, and this is a credit to, to Tito and to uh, Mike Chernoff and Chris Antonetti. But I think that there's always that tension between the field and the front office. I think that the guardians I think that they had that synergy between the field and the front office probably better than most organizations. Anybody. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember I talked to Tito about it once and I asked him about it. You see, you know, they bring me stuff and I, I, and I asked them, Hey, I hear you and we're going to make this change, but give me a little bit of time. Let me get there. And Antonetti Chernoff have the sort of respect for Tito. Well, they'd be like, okay, will let you do your job, and they're not down the throats. I mean, you and I have heard nightmare stories about yeah. you know front office executives in the manager's office right after a game, basically, why did you screw that up? Uh, <laughs> which is the opposite of what you and I are talking about, where it does feel like there's a, a great working relationship between those two sides. Yeah, for sure. I also think the thing that gets lost sometimes is, again, you said it, I, I, I like the analytic stuff, but I don't, I don't think everybody recognizes that if you want to sit there and do it by probability, I don't think in real time it's possible to perfectly execute the best probability play in real time every time. It's just too much, man. You can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just can't. It, 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 it's, it's, too, it's too hard. So um, you do the best you can. So the numbers would indicate that the Padres have no chance against the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers won 14 out of 19. Uh, The Dodgers, uh, you mentioned, you know, they score runs. They have great defense. They have great pitching. Uh, When Alex and I just talked, and neither one of us are, are, you know, necessarily picking the Padres to win this series, but we both were struck uh, by the comfort level of the Padres right now. 
Like, I mean, it absolutely jumped, jumped out to both of us. You know, I talked to Manny Machado about it on, on Sunday uh, about where he is in his career. Uh, cause, and I said, you just seem like you're having a great time. And he kind of smiled and shrugged his shoulders. He said, you know, I'm not worried about the money, not worried about the fame. I'm just enjoying baseball. And you could see that in his byplay during the series. I, I was telling Alex, uh, you know, talking with Jerickson Profar, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, how's, how's it dealing with the New York crowd? And he looked at me with the biggest grin. And he goes, this is so much fun. And, and I said, so it's not like the crowd's not an issue for you. And he looked at me like I was the biggest idiot ever. I interviewed Juan Soto before that first plate appearance in game three. And, you know, the answer he, didn't, he gave me was sort of boilerplate with his approach against Chris Bassett. But what jumped out to me standing next to him was how relaxed he was. And I feel like that that's the, the that's how this team is going into this series. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, they have enough pieces to make them to make them dangerous. Sweat. The I, Dodgers sweat. Yeah, and I think I think I would be less surprised about their offense scoring some runs. That wouldn't surprise me as much. I think it's gonna it's gonna need to be that in combination with. Um, they're, you know, they're going to need a Darvish Musgrove, you know, multiple performances that are, you know, really dominant. I think that's going to be the, that's going to be the thing. They catch it really well. It's a good defensive team. So I, again, it's, it's best three out of five. So, you know, it, it's so, you know, it's like you go back and now in hindsight, it makes sense, but like the Dodgers use so much energy to try and track down the giants last year and then try to beat them in a five-game set, that it makes sense that they lost to the Braves. But, like, ultimately, I mean, if you played that series multiple times, you know, depending on how, like, the Braves weren't better than the Dodgers last year. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. just, it's just the way that that series, that series went. So, I mean, these things have a funny way of shaping out. And I think that, uh, you know, you talk about good managers, Bob Melvin is another guy that I think that, there's just stability there. And that team seems right now to feel really comfortable with itself. Now, you know, Freddie Freeman, well, uh, you were there the weekend in, in Atlanta. So, you know, so much emotion that you saw in him. Uh, where do you think he is since then? Cause I, I've talked with friends of his who, who believe that it was almost like he needed to have that weekend to say goodbye. Some closure, and since then he just has taken off or even in the week before that. You know, look, I know him well enough that I know that this story and how it impacted Freddie was real. Like Freddie was sad. And I, I was stunned by Freddie was sad and he just kept hitting. Yeah. Like he had this monster year and it just never stopped. He's, he's just an amazing player. Um, the consistency is, is pretty astounding. I don't know. I don't know that we quite appreciate him for the the level of player he is, especially in, you know, today's game when you're hitting for that power, defending like that runs the bases hard and then strikes out at a, you know, sub, you know, what 17% level when the league average is 22.3. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So, um, He's great for the game, you know. He he has got he plays hard, plays with a big smile. Um, but the consistency throughout that entire thing, when it was bothering him and then seemed to bother him less, but the play stayed 
steady. All right. So the great thing about you is that you you are absolutely comfortable telling me when I'm an idiot. So I'm going to give yes. you throw something at you here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to throw something at you here, uh, and I'm curious. really nice to see you, by the way. Yeah, likewise. Uh, <laughs> so it's better than seeing you. It's it, seeing me at five thirty a.m. at LaGuardia, right? Which is when you would run from me. <laughs> I wouldn't run from you. Yeah, you would. I, I was very. I saw it twice. It. I saw you like become aware of my presence. <laughs> like I'm not talking to this idiot at five thirty in the morning because he's got way too much energy for me right out of the gate. So, um, so here's my thought, and and then I want to make this absolutely clear at the beginning. We know Joe Musgrove was was checked by the umpires. They they felt his earlobes. They checked his hat, and then they said he was fine. He had a great outing, and congratulations to Joe. And you know, he was uh, he was in a position at that point to gesture toward the Mets dugout and move on. I would say, Boog, that I feel like Major League Baseball has created a problem again through inaction, and 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 I'll give you some background on. I thought that's what happened with the steroid issue. Uh, I think that's what happened with the sign stealing. They never really were aggressive in dealing with it. Uh, I thought they were slow in dealing with the sticky stuff which uh, issue, which is why they got to it in midseason. And I think we're kind of back to the same place. Because you and I know, you know, midseason 2021, umpires began to check players. Uh, they checked in the beginning of this year. Spin rates came down dramatically. And then midway through this year, the spin rates began to climb like crazy. And I can tell you this, I'm sure you've had the same conversations, executives, staffers around baseball are like, yep, pitchers are cheating again. And yet throughout the summer, we saw these cursory checks with the umpires. Uh, It felt like uh, it wasn't anything that was necessarily serious. No one was busted for sticky stuff during the year. And here we are in the playoffs and the spin rates are through the roof. And it's because baseball has not done, done a good job following up and policing this issue. Am I an idiot or what do you think? No, I don't. I mean, I don't think you're an idiot. I, it's just, I think it's. Uh, which is, oh, again. by the way, I didn't do the, the punctuate, which is how in part we got to that situation the other night with Buck Walter and Joe Musgrove, because everybody behind the scenes is talking about these spin rates. Right. No, I, it, I said to a couple of people in some way, shape or form, the check is based in some reality, like what mean not, not to mean that he's necessarily doing it, but they're seeing a spike in a spin rate or, um, you know, or, or, or multiple guys spikes in, in spin rate. So it's, it's sort of putting the antenna up. I thought he waited too long, by the way, I thought he was going to do that. It felt a little desperate to do it in the sixth as opposed to doing it in the fourth. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things. No, I, I don't. I don't disagree. Like one one of the things you look at this year that's really interesting is the month by month offense. Offense never took off in the middle of the summer the way you'd expect it to. Like slug went back down in August, and I think there's a decent chance that the reason for that, at least in part, was some of the sticky stuff. I think the problem, what's hard about it, is. You know, it is catching guys, how you handle it, worrying that, you know, if you go hardcore after it, um, yeah, that you're going to bust some high-profile guys, that type of thing. And I don't think that they're, they have – I wonder how much interest they have in, in, you know, what that ends up looking like. Because I also don't know – like, this is one of the issues here – I don't know how much do the fans care. Um, 
No, but I think that people in baseball do care. Like, I do think, I think that they want it, and I think they got to stop being uh, posers about it. Yeah. I think if yeah. they want to actually uh, have a rule, then they need to friggin' enforce it. Because that's what I, I think also, they got away from. I also would say this. It, it's, it, it does, you can't run from this idea. Look at what we're doing next year. Like, the fundamental problems in the sport, it takes too long, the pace is slow, and the ball is not in play enough. And as far as the last thing is concerned, the ball not being in play enough, this ties directly to that. Yep. So in terms of the level of, you know, how entertaining the game is, like, you know, you, you want you want the ball in play more. And the sticky stuff is not enhancing that. No. Uh, and I just, uh, I always like, because I've got two kids, I always draw the, you know, comparisons with that. That's like telling your kids, if you don't do your homework or you don't uh, take out the trash, then... Uh, uh, you know, we're going to take away the video games for two days, right? I haven't had that conversation with Jake a hundred times. If you don't follow through on that, what's the point? Yeah. Like, you can't do that. And that's where I feel like Major League Baseball has landed with the whole sticky stuff issue. And they've essentially created this vacuum where now we're right back to where we were 18 months ago. Yeah, pretty close. I, I mean, I, I pretty close. Yeah. Well, It'll be interesting to see if there are any conversations that, uh, you know, within Major League Baseball, because I think what if they actually are serious about enforcing it, they got to go to the umpire that, look, guys, we're going to crack down on this, and we need you guys to lead it, and they need to tell the teams going into the series. Yes, uh, you got to do it before. You got to yep. do it before. Exactly. No and, and have someone from Major League Baseball walk into the clubhouse and say, guys, you know what? We, we don't like what we're seeing in the spin rates, and we're coming for you. And yep. so be ready. And you're all on notice. Just yep. like me as a dad telling him my son I was going to take away, uh, you know. To MLB the show. You right. can't take away MLB the show. That's yeah. the only thing. Uh, yeah. That's the one you can't take away. That's mm-hmm. why I feel like I've never really been away from you all summer because I hear your voice <laughs> all summer when Jake is playing that game. So. What's scary is the amount of people, the, the, the dads that text me that or call and tell me that. Like, I hear your voice in my house and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yeah. All right, Boop. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Mr. Jakey RS writes in, you've said you don't root for teams in the postseason, but how about managers? Who would you be happy to see? Uh, win a championship out of the eight managers left? I'm going to give you two. One would be Terry Francona, the manager of the Guardians. Uh, He went back to that franchise because, of course, his family through his dad, so many roots. And how big would that be for the Guardians if they were to Mm -hmm. win the World Series with the youngest team in baseball, you know, and have their first championship in many decades? And then Aaron Boone, Uh, just having worked with Booney on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, having traveled around with him, uh, it would be really cool for him to, to, to – it would be cool to see him win a championship at some point during his time as a manager. Don't sleep on Dusty Baker. Would probably put him at the top of my power rankings personally. Yeah, right. I, I just uh, – I think uh, – you've yeah, you're, Those I, are your boys. I get it. I get it. Well, and I worked with both on Sunday yeah. Night Baseball, and I love Dusty too. You're 100% right. I mean, any of those guys – 
that would be cool. You know, for Dusty, it would be like the cherry on top of his Hall of Fame case. Exactly. And it would be it would be like put him in next summer if he were to win the World Series. <laughs> put him in tomorrow. Dang it, he deserves to be there. Yep. Last one for today. Zach B's on uh, at Zach B's on twenty two rates and Buster with Ha Seong Kim doing well for the Padres. Is he a valuable trade asset in twenty twenty three when Tatis Junior comes back? Nope. He's the Padres shortstop when Tatis Jr. comes back. I think they're going to move him to the outfield, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, you know, maybe it's right field, maybe it's it's left field. Um, you know, there was we heard about that conversation that started before we uh, before the drug bust happened. Um, and now I feel like the Padres are in a good position to basically say, dude, we're not going to have a conversation about <laughs> where you're going to play. <laughs> Just come back and play. You know, just come back and play wherever we put you in the lineup. Does that make sense, Taylor? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't think the whole thing. I don't think Fernando Tatis Jr. after getting a drug suspension is going to be in a position to push back if they ask him to move from shortstop to the outfield. And some uh, some shady motorcycle adventures as well. Right. Uh, you know, it's a really w- interesting case where like your best player and team basically has like no input on what he's doing anymore because he's lost that uh, trust and responsibility. It's very yeah. interesting to right. watch. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for Bleacher right. Tweets. Send them in while you're watching games, everyone. Enjoy it. Exactly. And, and the reminder, we're going to have a podcast every day uh, during the course of the playoffs. We're going to have uh, Sarah Langs to be joining us every day. And we got some surprises coming up for her. All right. That's it for today. My thanks to Boog, to Alex, to Sarah, to Jaime, to Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against. Every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.